Welcome to NBA Talk with Isaac Wolf. I am your host, Isaac Wolf. I was going to get to recording this on Friday, but I was like, no, let's just wait for the some of the other series to end so we'd have more to talk about. Then I was going to record on Sunday, but the NFL started, so I was like, no, I'm going to watch some of that. But we're finally back. Mike D'Antoni is leaving the Rockets after four years with the team. The, the decision was made by D'Antoni. He was not fired. He just decided it was best to move on from Houston. He did a great job with the Rockets, took them to the Western Conference Finals in 2018. They were just a win away, a Chris Paul hamstring away from going to the finals and likely winning it. They were up 3-2, had double-digit leads in both games 6 and 7, but just couldn't get the job done. They had those 27 missed threes in a row in game 7. That was the one issue I had with D'Antoni. When shots weren't falling, he kept letting them shoot. They never went to anything else to try to get something going on offense. Sometimes it worked, but in crucial times it often didn't, and that's what cost them potentially a title in 2018. I do believe they would have beat LeBron and the Cavs had they made it. LeBron just didn't have enough help. A few candidates to replace D'Antoni in Houston that have been named so far. Sam Cassell, the former Rockets backup point guard during their back-to-back titles in 94 and 95. He backed up Kenny Smith. Jeff Van Gundy, who coached the Rockets during the Yao Ming-Tracy McGrady era, and also Tyron Lue, former Cavs coach that led Cleveland to the title in 2016 and is currently a Clippers assistant coach. Those are three pretty good and interesting candidates for the job. I'm not sure who I'd like to see in that position just yet, but I do like the names being thrown out. Mike D'Antoni, by the way, I expect him to take the Pacers job. There was interest with him from Indiana as soon as they fired Nate McMillan. Like, that's their number one target. So I would not be surprised if that is what happens there. Okay, lots of games to recap. Starting with Celtics Raptors Game 6. Yes, that was a while ago, but this was much different than Game 5, and expectedly so. Toronto came out with a sense of urgency. They were down 3-2. They were like, it's our time. We got to win or we're going home. And the defending champs don't want to do that, right? Nope. (laughs) So... They came out, played a pretty close first half, and then took control in the fourth quarter, going up by seven early, but Boston quickly came back and made it a close game. The last score during regulation came with two minutes to go, if that gives you an idea of what type this game, what type of game this was. Very defensive focus, but Daniels High stunk the ball with two minutes left to tie the game at 98. We go to overtime after a lot of empty possessions and a Pascal Siakam miss at the buzzer. In overtime, dead even the whole way. Norman Powell scores five points in those five minutes, but Jalen Brown's two free throws late tied the game again. We go to double overtime. Boston goes up by four to start. Toronto hangs with them. Norman Powell, another five points in that second overtime period. Then one of the most exciting sequences of these playoffs yet... Ty stunks at home. Celtics go up by two. Then Pascal Siakam answers... And ties the game. Then Marcus Smart hits a corner three, three-point Boston lead. Norman Powell responds with a three of his own. We're tied again. Then Tice on the same cut along the baseline. He got that all day. Finishes the alley-oop. Boston up two once again. Before OG Ananobi hits a go-ahead three with 57 seconds left. Raptors go up 117. Or excuse me, 118 to 117. Then Jason Tatum turns the ball over. Norman Powell finishes through contact. It's the and one. And that was the cushion Toronto needed as they get the win and force a game seven. 125 to 122. 
Kyle Lowry hit another clutch shot late, a fadeaway from the elbow to put Toronto up four. Lowry was incredible, 33, eight and six, six guys in double digits for Toronto. For the Celtics, Marcus Smart had a triple-double, Jason Tatum a near triple-double. Tatum 29, 14, and 9. Smart, by the way, 23, 11, and 10. Jalen Brown 31 and 16, but on 11 of 30 shooting. Daniel Tice 18 points as well. But that was it. It was just Smart, Tatum, Brown, and Tice, which it, which just sounds like a lot. It's four guys. But it it wasn't enough. Kemba only had five points. He was awful. So game seven, it was a back and forth game. Boston had the lead, then Toronto grabbed it back, then Boston answered, then Toronto went on a run. It was just that kind of game. The Raptors had 18 turnovers in this game, and it killed them down the stretch. The Celtics' defense, unbelievable once again. And how about the rookie Grant Williams from Tennessee coming up with a big block on Fred Van Vliet late in the game, whose shot could have tied it had it gone in, but Williams tipped it and sealed the deal. So now we get Heat versus Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. This matchup kind of throws you back to LeBron's battles against Paul Pearson and Kevin Garnett and those guys in the early uh, 10,000s, or excuse me, 10,000s, 2010s. It should be a great series. I honestly don't know how it's going to go. I truly believe it could end in 5 one way or go 7 another way, but I'm going to go with the Heat, the team I have been underestimating and doubting and underappreciating all season long. It's about time I changed. Besides, the Heat look more consistent. The Celtics defense is going to be a great matchup against Miami's offense. I can't wait. Can I say Heat in six? I think that's what I'm going to do. I'll say Heat in six. But if the Celtics want to, if they want to win, it'll take them seven. But the Heat have been the best team in the playoffs so far. And as great as the Celtics have been, they've just been less consistent. I'm going to take Jimmy Butler, Eric Spolstra, and the Heat's consistency over Boston. It's tough, but... I'm saying that the Miami Heat are going to the NBA Finals. Wow, that is weird. Did not see that coming at the beginning of the year. Or even when the playoffs started. (laughs) Clippers-Nuggets game four. Very defensive game. Both teams under 100 points. LA won 96-85. Kawhi Leonard near triple-double. 30 points, 11 rebounds, 9 assists. The next leading scorer, however, was Montrezl Harrell with 15. For the Nuggets, Jokic led the way with 26, 11, and 6. Jamal Murray, just 18 points in 44 minutes. Denver Denver shot 39% from the field. It was not a good game for them all around. Their defense was okay, but their offense certainly wasn't there. Michael Porter Jr. spoke after the game. He had 15 points in the first half. That's how many he finished the game with, however. And in his post-game press conference, when asked if LA made adjustments in the second half to contain him, he said, quote, I just didn't touch the ball. They didn't do anything different. And then he called out Mike Malone, his head coach, saying, quote, I mean, that's really up to the play calls. That's really up to the coaches, who they want to put the ball in whose hands. We kept going to Jokic and Maul, Jamal Murray, and they're two amazing players. You can never get mad at that. But I just think to beat the team, to beat that team, we got to get more players involved. We got to move the ball a little bit better. We can't be predictable against that team. He received a lot of backlash. For that, not just from fans, but from players. Damian Lillard, one of the stars, calling him out on Twitter. But in Game 5, after all that talk, the Nuggets went down by 16 just before halftime. However, their second half was spectacular. Paul Millsap gave them a spark with 14 points in the third quarter. That's what really brought Denver back into it. So then Murray and Jokic helped finish it off. So the Nuggets came back and won 111-105. to And it was... 
Michael Porter Jr., who hit the big-time shot. Nuggets up by two with just over a minute to go before Porter knocked down his only field goal of the game. Also came up with a clutch block on Ivica Zubats, a.k.a. Zubaka, on the next position. So, it's a good thing he backed up his talk with that shot, because otherwise he would have been roasted on social media. I mean, he didn't do anything at all until those two possessions late in the fourth quarter. The ones that basically sealed the game for Denver. I was very surprised when the Nuggets won. Despite Charles Barkley's guarantee before the game and at halftime. Because, you know, when Chuck does his guarantee, he guarantees a win for the other team, basically. He never gets it right. He's wrong every time. And it's the most entertaining thing ever. I laugh every time he yells it out. And I was even more surprised when Denver won game six. 111 to 98. Denver was down 16 at halftime, as many as 19 at one point. But they outscored LA 64 to 35 in the second half. And that was the difference. Nikola Jokic, 34 points, 14 rebounds, 7 assists. So now we have a game seven. The last thing I expected in this series. I had the Clippers winning in five. Now, I have the Clippers winning game seven. They cannot. I repeat, they cannot lose three in a row to the Nuggets if they want to win the championship. It just can't happen. Partly because they shouldn't lose three games in a row to that team. And also because if they lose, they're done. Their depth has to step up because Paul George and Kawhi Leonard combined for 58 of the team's 98 points in game six. The rest of the team had just 40. If the Clippers lose to the Nuggets, I have a major issue with that. Not just because of my prediction that they would win the championship, but the fact that they have the best team the most depth, and the second-best duo in the league, they can't lose to a rather inexperienced Nuggets team that should have been out in the first round anyway. Rockets-Lakers, Game 4. The Lakers came away with a 10-point win, 110-100. to The final score was closer than the game really was. LA had multiple 20-point leads in this game until Houston went on a 17-2 run late and cut the lead to 5 before Alex Caruso hit a clutch 3 from the corner to extend the lead to 8 with 35 seconds left. The problems for the Rockets in this game, James Harden made just two shots the entire game. 2 of 11 from the field. Yes, he was 16 of 20 from the free throw line, had 21 points. But it didn't matter. He only took 11 shots. They didn't get enough offense from him. Two, the Lakers supporting cast. You know how I told you only one other person, aside from LeBron and AD, had to step up in order for them to win? Well, multiple of the guys did this time. Alex Caruso, 16 points. Rajon Rondo, 11 points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists. Danny Green and Contavious Caldwell-Pope, each with 10. They they just hit their shots. You can't beat them when other guys, especially that many, step up like that. And three, the third reason, or the third problem for the Rockets in this game was the Lakers' defense. They were all over the place defensively. They knew where to go, when to close out. And the Lakers closed out very well on their shooters. They shot just 43% from the field. And in game five... After the Lakers took a 3-1 lead, the Rockets' season came to an end. L.A. dominated 1-119-96. They beat Houston at their own game. They shot 19 of 37 from three, over 50%. That's what won them the game was their shooting. They had six guys in double figures, which almost never happens with them. Their entire starting lineup and then Kyle Kuzma each had more than 10 points. So now we likely get the matchup we've anticipated all season long. Lakers, Clippers, Western Conference Finals. Assuming the Clippers close out the series in Game 7, which they should, and I think they will. That series is going to be very good. I'm, I was going to say I had Clippers in 6, 
But oh my goodness, if they're losing, if they're about to lose to the Denver Nuggets, this might this this might go seven games like everybody wants it to. I think every game will be competitive, but I still have the Clippers coming out on top. Again, assuming they beat Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets, which apparently is not a they're they're not pushovers anymore like they were. Okay, they weren't they weren't pushovers. That's 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 a bad that's a bad way to that's a bad thing to call them. They're not pushovers. But I believe they should have been out in the first round in five. Anyway. Giannis Antetokounmpo had a three-hour lunch meeting with the Milwaukee Bucks co-owner, Mark Larcy, to discuss the future of the franchise. The two talked about this season, how the roster can be tweaked and improved, and also how Milwaukee would be willing to go into the luxury tax to keep Giannis, potentially on that five-year, $247 million Supermax extension. Giannis is planning on going on a vacation soon, so they will meet again when he returns from that, and more dialogue will happen. From there. To wrap up today, this day in NBA history, nothing significant happened. Happy birthday to Grizzlies big man Jaron Jackson Jr., Sixers guard Josh Richardson, and Thunder guard Dennis Schroeder. We will be back as soon as I can be with reaction to game one of the Eastern Conference Finals between the Celtics and the Heat and game seven between the Nuggets and the Clippers, both on tonight.